Maybe maybe one of these days I'll do what I probably should do instead of what I actually do do. And yes, I did just say do do. Diz Runs Radio episode 1069 starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey, y'all, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, got a new sponsor today, the Amino Co. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to have them on board because we all know, we've all been there before as runners, that uh, the fatigue that builds up during races or during training, both physical and mental, can be a thing. Uh, not exactly ideal, kind of slows us down, can be a little bit frustrating. And the Amino Co. offers an essential acid essential amino acid formula called perform that can really help both the mental and the physical side of things. Whether you take it as a pre-workout, whether you take it for a midday pick me up, um, just, you know, as soon as you, as soon as you mix the, 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 just one little scoop of the powder in with your water bottle dissolves right away, tastes good and you're good to go. And I've, I've noticed it certainly of late, um, kind of midday, you know, when I'm, when I'm getting towards the end of my coffee period, but I, I still need a little, a little extra boost, add in the, the amino acids from a scoop of perform in the water bottle. And, uh, I'm good to go locked in for the second half of the day work-wise, or maybe locked in for that strength workout that, uh, I've been putting off, but finally deciding to get after it, get the, get some squats done, get some lunges done. And, uh, definitely notice the difference on the days that I, that I take a scoop of perform as opposed to the days that I don't. And, and those of you that have done pre-workouts before, you know you know how it is, but you also know how you can, you can get a little bit of a crash after the fact. Maybe get a little jittery as well. And I've never noticed that, never experienced it once in all the times that I've been using Perform in the last couple of months. So if you're interested in getting some, some quality supplements to your nutrition game, a, a quality, uh, again, pre-run, pre-workout type of thing, or just a midday pick-me-up, Check out Perform from the Amino Company, and uh, you can check out all the science they have, all the details, all the all the the trials information. This this company is legit. It's not one of those fly by night nutrition supplement companies. It's it's got all the things detailed for you, and you can find all that information at at what is the what is the what is the link here, Diz? Come on, get your stuff together. Get your notes on track here. Uh, the the link is aminoco.com slash Dizruns. I was trying to throw Dizruns out there first, and that wasn't going to get us anywhere. Aminoco.com slash Dizruns. A-M-I-N-O-C-O.com slash Dizruns. For all the information, check out the different products they have. Again, I'm a big fan of Perform, and I'm also going to talk about Heal at some point down the road. But today we're talking mostly about Perform. Uh, get yourself ready for your workout. Take it after your workout to help, help with recovery. Uh, all the things... And whatever you get, whatever you decide to purchase, if you decide to make a purchase, make sure you use the, the code DISRUNS at checkout, all one word as per usual. That's our pretty standard discount code around here. But use the code DISRUNS at checkout to get 30% off your order. So once again, aminoco.com slash DISRUNS. Use DISRUNS at checkout to save yourself 30%. And not for nothing, but they also typically tend to throw in a little free gift 
with every order. So check it out, aminoco.com slash disruns. Now today, you know you know what today is. Today is listener Q&A day. It's the end of July, which means uh, we take some questions around here. You ask, I answer. That's That's pretty much the formula. You know, it ain't broke. Don't fix it. That's what we've been doing now for I don't know how many years we've been doing these Q&A episodes every month. But uh, we've got another one. And uh, there's there's another theme to this this month's Q&A episode, which we'll get, we'll get to that. You'll see it kind of reveal itself as we go. But if you're new around here, like I said, we do this every month. And the, the best way to get your questions entered or get your questions in the mix is to head over to the Facebook group, disruns.com slash Facebook. We'll get you there. It's technically called the Disruns Tribe. Um, but come on and join the party. And, and we you know, typically have some, some fun there. I've been, I've been a little quiet in there lately because I've uh, been a little bit busy with uh, this whole moving situation, which may or may not be an underlying theme for a lot of questions today. But uh, once we get settled in the new house and I have actually like time to you know do things beyond record podcasts, uh, work with the the athletes that I coach and pack. Um, I'll get back to doing more more stuff in the Facebook group, more of the daily Diz posts. Although, thankfully, you know, people been been holding it down. We've been getting lots of posts from lots of other folks. Y'all probably haven't even missed me. Is the moral of the story? But all that to say, every every uh, month, kind of in the middle of the month, I put a post out that says, "Hey, what are your questions for this month's Q and A episode?" You put your questions in the comments, and then we have an episode because I answer those questions. Right here, right now. You can also, if you don't do Facebook, I know there's a few of you that don't do Facebook, and and quite honestly, I'm a little bit envious. You know, I wouldn't mind not doing Facebook, but I do like our group. We do have a good group. But if you don't do Facebook, you can always email the questions or send them via whatever social media platform you use. I do my best to not lose them in the shuffle, but it has happened in the past. And for those times that has happened, I apologize. Uh, But one way or the other, you ask questions. I answer them at the end of each month, and that's what we are doing today. So, without any further ado, let's let's get to it, shall we? Because if we if we ado for too long, this episode's going to be you know gargantuan in length. Although we don't have, I mean, we have a good number of questions. We don't have that many questions, but anyway, we'll see how it goes. We'll take them as they come. And uh, first question coming from Karen. So now that you will be moving to Georgia, do you think you will run the Peach Tree Road Race? Yeah, maybe, probably. It's a possibility. Um, it's definitely an option. You know, now I'm not not living in in Atlanta, not living in the Atlanta suburbs, so it is still you know like I'm in the state, but it's not like it's it's you know this this race that's in my backyard. And for those of you that aren't aware, Peachtree Road Race, it's 10K, happens on the Fourth of July every year. It's kind of a big deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a possibility. My my brother in law does live in Atlanta, so I've got I've got that option. I can go crash at his place, maybe take a, a little mini vacation, bring bring the girls along, have some cousin time, have some some brother sister time between Rebecca and her brother, and maybe I can I can sneak out and uh, do a little do a little road race on Fourth of July morning. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I definitely think I will. Will I run it in 2023? I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I, y- y- y'all know I don't make plans for you know next month, let alone almost a year from now. But will I, will I do it at some point? I would say all signs point to probably. But you know, just like I never say never anymore, I, I try to never say 100% for sure. Because you know, stranger things have happened. But yeah, I think, I think it's, it's much more in the mix now. 
than it has ever been before. So stay tuned. I'm sure I'll talk about it if I'm going to do it. Um, and those of you that, that are there for it, hopefully we can, uh, you know, see each other, bump into each other, say hi, all those types of things. Next question coming from Bill. I'm curious which app you use for your fun with filters posts. So, um, when, when the, the site seeing on my runs is relatively boring and I don't really see anything worth photographing for a scene on my run post, I tend to do a fun with filters post where I just try to pick the most ridiculous filter I can find, snap a selfie, good enough. And, uh, Bill, probably the vast majority of my fun with filters posts come from Snapchat. Um, I've, I've never really done any snapping. I'm not, I'm not cool. I'm not hip with the cool kids using Snapchat for like it's actual, you know, communicating via that app. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I typically go for random filters. Every once in a while I'll dip into the Instagram filters or the Facebook filters, but those ones are usually pretty boring as far as I'm concerned. Um, Snapchat can get a little bit crazy, which is fun. So that's where I, that's where I usually go for my fun with filters posts. Um, try not to do those very often. Try to always pay attention on the runs and, and see something worth posting. But some days, I mean, there's just not much, especially when it's in the dark. It's hard to get some, some, you know, see stuff up by people's houses. I'm not going to creep up next to somebody's house to take a picture. Um, so, so yeah, it tends to be, tends to be Snapchat for my filters, um, with the occasional Instagram or Facebook uh, if, if I can't find anything on Snapchat, but if I can't find anything on Snapchat, I'm in trouble. So, you know, we, we make it work. We make it work. Uh, but that's where, that's where those, those filters usually come from. Next question from Thessaly. Describe your best and worst thoughts you've had on a run. Whoo we, uh, this is, this is a question, Thessaly. Goodness gracious. This is, I mean, I feel like I've said this before when it comes to like bests or favorites type of questions, like those are so tough because I mean, I don't, I don't know. And, and for me, I, I have so many like passing thoughts, both in running, when running and when not running that like, I don't categorize them. I don't pay attention to them. Um, I, I don't, you know, hold on to them for, for future reflection. Um, so this is, and I'm not trying to dodge your question. Like, I really don't, I really can't think of any, like, really specific things. That said, you know, to, to try to answer the question somehow, um, I suppose that it's probably, you know, similar type of things that, that a lot of folks have had. You know, best thoughts have probably been those those days when, and and for me, they're few and far between. Maybe they happen more for some than others, but but, you know, having one of those days where, everything's just kind of feels good and you're moving pretty good and the body feels good and the pace is faster than maybe you expected. But you know, for me, the heart rate's still in a, in a good spot and just, just kind of cruising, uh, maybe solo, maybe running with Kate, maybe just me and the dog, which I guess would be solo, but not really solo, but whatever. Um, just kind of having one of those days when just Maybe it's a day when I'm not really thinking. Like maybe those are my best thoughts are when I'm not thinking at all, when just the mind is clear and just cruising. Again, it doesn't happen often. And I can't necessarily point to a specific instance where it's happened, but I know it's happened in the past. Um, so maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. As far as worst thoughts, oh, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, 
again, I mean, it's, it's all kind of like, for me, it probably the worst thoughts are, are just some of those mental, mental battles, those mental conversations with myself where, um, definitely talk down to myself, like, like, you know, just, just giving up maybe that type of thing. Um, and thankfully it's been a while since I've had any of those, but I've certainly had them. Um, and hopefully won't have those thoughts again anytime soon. So I guess that's where I'll class them as worst. But as far as, like I said, specific instances, like, man, I, Oh, I don't know. And I promise I'm not trying to dodge the question. I just, I just can't think of anything too specific off the top of my head. And I even like chewed on this one for a while and I just couldn't, couldn't think of anything. So apologies, Thessaly, for a, a relatively generic question. Um, or I'm sorry, generic answer to your question, but it's, it's the best I got. So hopefully, hopefully it's good enough, but thanks for the question, lady. Hope things are well out West. Next question from Ellen with you moving. If you could move anywhere in the world, strictly based on the running on the best running, where would it be? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question right there. And I've never been there. Certainly never run there. But from what I hear, from what I've gathered, from what, I, what I've gleaned from folks, whether it's here on the podcast, whether it's other running circles, whether it's just kind of casual conversations in general, I feel like Southern California might be the, might be the right answer. Like if you want flat, you can go, you know, go towards the beach, um, get on the roads, cruise right along. Weather tends to be pretty good, you know, 70 and sunny most days, but like low humidity, not very often that hot, even kind of chilly some, some mornings, you know, borderline chilly some mornings. If you want to run trails, you just head a little bit inland and you got the mountain ranges right there. So you got some trails. So you got some, some elevation, um, lots of, lots of trail races from what I, what I gather. Um, lots of road races as well. Lots of, lots of stuff, you know, like just, it feels like weather wise, terrain wise, at least terrain options wise, race options wise, like that would be a pretty good place. You kind of get, get all of it, get everything. But I kind of feel like that's why people live in California anyway. And there's no way I could afford to live in California. So I, I mean, that that's, it's not really an option, but, uh, yeah, I think that would be, that would probably be the place if it was just based on running and everything else was equal, which is clearly not, but, but there's, I mean, there's gotta be lots of other places that would be good, good as well. Um, but I'll take no winter, 70 and sunny mountains on one side, flats on the other. Um, that sounds, pr- that, that sounds like that would be a tough, tough one to beat. I'm sure. There's probably, there's probably some options that might beat it, but that's, that's a pretty good one. As far as I'm concerned. Next question from Jackie. Why did you decide to move to Georgia? That's a layered answer, Jackie. And there's no, there's no real, uh, silver bullet, quite honestly. Um, Moving to Georgia because a bunch of reasons. I guess we, we the, the place we settled on a big a big part of the draw is that it's it's really good as far as schools are concerned. So we got Addison covered on that front. Um, it's still southeast, so we don't have to deal with real winter, which I don't think Rebecca could really handle, and I don't think that I want to handle. So, but but it's far enough north, I think where we'll actually, will get some seasons. Like we might get a little bit of winter, certainly not a proper winter, but more, more so than we, what we get in Florida, definitely going to get a fall, which I'm 
super excited about. Spring, also excited about that. I'm still going to get plenty of summer, but, you know, maybe just not quite as much as we have in Florida, which I'm excited about that as well. Um, still south, like I said, still southeast enough to be to be near some family. Um, Rebecca's parents are, are in the Daytona area, so a little bit longer drive, but now we don't have to go through Orlando and, and on I-4 to get there, so actually a, a, a better drive as far as I'm concerned. Her brother lives in Atlanta, which I mentioned earlier. So, like, you know, we can we can Addison can be around her cousins a little bit more. Um, we can see we can see him a little bit more, which would be nice. Um, cost of living is good, you know, a little bit less hurricane probability, um, or at least you know, I mean, we we can still get some storms here, no no doubt about that, but a little bit less likely, I think, than than Florida. So, you know, it, it's it's an amalgamation of of reasons. It's a new adventure. It's um different but same you know like like if we were going to move we probably weren't going to move just staying within florida like if we're going to move let's move so uh that's what we're doing so you know not any one major draw no major job draws here no major um you know life like family not right here um still close but but uh yeah those are those are kind of enough layers that that work together to say hey this is this is the place let's let's do it and uh, we're doing it. We're doing it. Next question from Lewis. What do you think about Mo Farah controversy surrounding his name? You just go out of your way to do this to me. Every, every, like, one of these times, Lewis, and I feel like I said this last month, I'm going to actually know what you're talking about. But I'm starting to think that, like, you're just throwing names at me and there's, like, actually is no controversy or story or anything. And like, I mean, FYI, like I'm not Googling this stuff to try to figure it out. Like I, I don't, what do I think about the Mo Farah controversy surrounding his name? I don't think about it. I don't care about it. I don't know about it. It bothers me nothing. Like right now I've spent whatever, two minutes answering this question. That's the only two minutes in my life that I've ever spent thinking about it. And, and you know, by the time this minute is over and we're at three minutes, like that'll be, that'll be it. I won't be thinking about it anymore. So there you go. There's your answer. I don't think about it. I don't know about it. I don't care about it, quite frankly. Like, whatever the controversy is surrounding his... Like, it's ridiculous. It's just nonsense. Whatever. Moving on. Next question, also from Lewis. Do you think it's true that running in dense slash higher humidity can lead to faster runs in the fall? Um, I mean, I think sometimes we, 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 we blame the humidity for everything. Uh, but I think it's the heat more so than the humidity. Of course, the heat and humidity combo is, is brutal. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. Running in the summer makes makes things easier in the fall. Training in the, in the heat. Um, see last week's quick tip for a little bit more info on, on kind of some of the, the physiology behind that, um, or at least some of the, the, the bro science physiology behind it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, absolutely. You, you train in the heat, and then all of a sudden, heat, or and or heat and humidity, Right. But all of a sudden, when, when that disappears and you get that, that cool, crisp fall morning, like your body is just like, whoa, it's such a, it's such a literal and metaphorical breath of fresh air that like, you just, you just go and, and you know, it's not like you can just have one summer run to make that difference. But if you're consistent through the summer, you're consistent through the heat and or the humidity. Um, I mean, your body adapts, right? You, you may not see much progress in the summertime. But as soon as that that heat breaks, and you get a little bit more, 
you know, cool weather. Yeah. It, it makes a difference. It's, it's, I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in others. Like it's, it's a game changer. So yeah, I absolutely believe it. Um, I feel like, I, I feel like anybody who's trained through the summer and raced in the fall with a cooler fall day, um, you know, I, I don't know how you could really disagree. I mean, I suppose you could, people disagree about everything. Um, but yeah, I, I am a believer for sure. Next question from Candy. Actually, a threesome, a three-pack from Candy. Again, second month in a row. She's making this a thing. We're going to have to come up with a name for it. Um, and actually, she said, I guess I've got four questions. Well, there we go. Get, getting greedy here, Candy. It's all right. We'll, we'll forgive you. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. Here are my three. I'm transitioning from halves to 5Ks and 10Ks. I just can't run that much anymore as far as running half. So that's, that's cool. Hey, nothing wrong with that. So how do I get faster? My pace is probably 13 minutes per mile, maybe high 12s, depending on the course. And I would like to be in the 11s. Is that realistic? What drills can I do? And how often do I do them? Um, so, you know, Candy, when it, when it comes to, to getting faster, racing faster, um, my, my answer may not surprise you, or at least may not surprise those that have been around for a while, but it's, it's, to continue to build your base. Like it doesn't matter if you're running 5Ks, if you're running 10Ks, if you're running half marathons, full marathons, ultra marathons, like the best way to to get faster in my view, which, you know, take it take it for what it's worth, but you're you're getting your money's worth because you paid nothing for this this view. Um in in my view, the best way to get faster is to to build your base, to be more efficient, to be more aerobically fit. Which means that, you know, if it, so, so to, to kind of try to break that down or to try to hopefully make that make sense a little bit and why I'm such a fan of heart rate training. Let's say, just for the sake of argument, that, that your pace at 13 minutes per mile is, um, you know, is, is, a, is a comfortable pace. Like, you could go faster, but you'd definitely be hurting. You know, you'd be pushing, pushing really hard to get faster than that. But if you, if you continue to run at that comfortable pace of 13 minutes ish per mile, some days a little faster, some days a little slower, depending on the day, but you're keeping that, that effort relatively easy. So you're building your aerobic base. You're you're building your aerobic system. You're, you're building your, you become more efficient as a runner. Well, eventually, and I wish I could say it was overnight. I wish I could say it took a week, maybe two, but like, you know, we're talking months and, and maybe even years in some cases. Uh, but eventually, that starts to tick down to where you're running steadily in the 12s at that same level of effort because your body is getting stronger because it's getting more efficient because your your aerobic system is improving in strength and, and efficiency and just and just the ability to generate energy at that level of effort and it just kind of keeps ticking down and then on race day what where that really pays off it, it's it's marginal progress admittedly marginal progress during during training but on race day, when all of a sudden you're not worried about only running easy, you're trying to push. Well, all of a sudden that difference between, you know, pushing at, at 13 minute pace versus getting into the 11s. But when, when you're not really starting to push until you're into the 12s or the low 12s. So again, so, so it just kind of moves the starting line, I guess, is a, is a, is a better way of saying it. So if, if you're, you're running easy at 13 minute pace and anything above that is hard. So maybe you can get, knock a couple minutes off your pace uh, during a race when you're pushing hard, that's fine. But what if you're starting, your starting line for easy is 12 minute pace. So now you start knocking a couple minutes off. Now you're down into the tens, maybe into the nines even. Um, 
so that's how it works. That's how it works. And, and hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. I, I, I know I can sometimes talk in circles on it and, and cause it makes sense to me. And sometimes that makes it harder for me to, to, um, explain it clearly, but training easy, training it, it just continue to train at these 13s, being okay with it, not trying to force the issue and trusting that you'll get faster over time is in my view, the best way to do it also because it, you know, it's, it's easier on the body, less stress, more long-term potential to maintain it. Um, is, you know, paces in the, in the 11s, is that realistic? Like, yeah, it is. Is it realistic next week? I mean, that might be a, that might be a stretch. What's your, what's your time, time frame? What's your horizon? We're looking out long enough. Yeah, it's, it's definitely doable, you know? And then if you want to mix in some drills, you can do some form drills. You can do some, um, speed workouts, things like that. But those things, and again, I know I'm, I'm broken recording around here for some of y'all that, that roll your eyes every time I start talking about heart rate training type of stuff or running easy and racing fast. But those drills, those speed workouts, those things that are, that are higher intensity, they, they are more effective. They, have, they provide more bang for your buck when your base is, is solid. When, when your fitness is, when, when you have a solid level of fitness, like all of a sudden you, you get more out of pushing harder both in terms of pace and in terms of like overall impact. So, I mean, I can't think of any times when, when continuing to just work on getting some good miles in low stress miles, running easy is going to be a bad answer. Um, no matter what your pace is, no matter what your goals are, like that's, that's the, the longest term best way to get faster is to keep running easy. So, I, I don't know if that's the answer you wanted, Candy, but that's that's the best answer I can give you. Good luck. Uh, keep keep going, and and again, just remember that like this process takes time, but better than the stop and start cycle of you know pushing hard, breaking down, taking time off for injury, rinse and repeat. That some of us, myself included, in the past had 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 to navigate. So hopefully we can we can help you avoid some of that stop and start and just. Steady progress over the course of weeks, months, and years. And you'll be in those 11s. You'll be in those 11s. Just just have to give it time to get there. All right? Thanks, Candy. Thanks for the questions. And uh, we're going to start working on a nickname here before long. Just, uh, you know, gotta give me, give me some time. Give me some time. Next question from Kenton. Is it better to do training runs solo or with a dog? I mean, I would say better with a dog. But I suppose that, that uh, your mileage may vary on that one. Um helps if your dog is, is run trained, meaning like, you know, when I, when I go out there with, with Bailey, um, at this point, she doesn't really pull at all. Um, she knows left, she knows right. She knows straight. She knows sidewalk. She knows street. Um, so I can give those commands and like, she just goes, we're also, you know, have, have run the same route often enough that I probably don't even have to give commands. Like she just knows that here is where we turn. Here is where we get up on the sidewalk. Here's where we get back down on the street. Um, so we just, we just fall in line and, and just cruise right along. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm a dog guy, so I'll, I'll take a dog on the couch next to me. I'll take a dog on the road running next to me. I'll take a dog on the trail running with me. Um, yeah, like, like I, I, I like having dogs around, so I'll, I'll definitely say better to do training runs with a dog than solo most of the time, most of the time. Next question from Mona. Good to have Mona back. It's been a while since we've had some Mona questions. And as per usual, she she's coming through 
with a fair fair few questions here. So let's let's just dive right in. But Mona, good to hear from you. Glad things are, are going all right for you. Hope you are well, Denny. I've missed you. I've missed you too, Mona. Here we go. Hope the move is not too bad. I helped my sister move and it was a lot. But I'm glad she asked for help and teamwork did wonders. But it also scared me a bit to move. I don't know if I can pack my house. How are you guys doing? So, um, I mean, we're doing, you know, it's, it's been, a, it's been a thing. Um, and I guess, I guess we're, we've been reminded that, uh, when we moved into the house before it was like, yeah, we're never going to do this again. And yet, I mean, here we are, you know, never say never, right? Like lessons, lessons I should have learned before, but I've finally learned again, like, um, not in any rush to move again, but hopefully we're learning a few things this time about not holding on to as much stuff, you know, kind of continuing to, to, you know, when we're getting new stuff, make sure we're getting rid of old stuff, things like that. Um, you know, I mean, moving is a pain. Moving out of state is a pain. Um, I mean, it is, it is, but we're doing our, I think we're doing as, as about as well as we can. Um, once we get our, our old house sold, that would be helpful. Get it under, get that back under contract after the last contract fell through. That would be, that would take a lot of the stress out of it. If we knew that that was going to happen, um, which I mean, it will happen, but once it does happen, that, that'll be helpful. That'll be helpful. Uh, but yeah, I guess we're doing all right. I would love to hear a funny story that you might, that might've happened during your run or your move. I can still crack on the, I still crack up on the internal monologue of the alligator that you shared once. So, um, yeah, I mean, I wish I had a, a, a recent funny story. Um, not, not entirely sure that I do. Um, this is, this is not a funny story, <laughs> but this is, this is the story. This is, this is the current state of affairs of the move. So the plan was this week to have, uh, everything cleaned up, moved out up in Georgia, getting ready for school to start for Addison. Um, and, and while we were packing up on Tuesday, like it just kind of kept coming. And again, this is one of those lessons that we learned, like get rid of crap instead of holding it for 12 years and then trying to get rid of it all in one day. Um, so basically like, like the day was getting away from us. We still had, we weren't finished yet. Cars are fully packed, full of stuff. Um, no, no more room for anything else and still more stuff to do, still more stuff to try to get rid of still maybe some things that we'd like to hold on to, but like, they just don't have room for them anymore. And so I get, I, I just, kind of said, all right, enough is enough. Like we got to get out of here. We were going to go to Rebecca's parents' house for the night. Um, and if we didn't go soon, then, then we weren't going to go. And so I was just like, all right, we got it. We got to go. And so I get, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I say I get, but like, you know, like it's just, it's just kind of what had to be done. We, we needed to get out of the house. We needed to, to clear, clear, clear some space for a couple days. Um, but I'm heading back down probably as you're listening to this, potentially as you're listening to this, heading back to Florida for like a, a whirlwind finishing touches, clean up the last few things, load up the last few things. Um, and then turn around and head back, you know, one and a half day trip. So, um, not ideal, not the way we wanted this to all to shake out. Um, but sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Right. And sometimes whether it's in running or in life, like things don't most of the time, maybe things don't exactly go to plan. So, you know, sometimes the, the way to resolve it is, quite inconvenient, not what you would prefer to do, but kind of what you have to do. And so I wish this was a funny story other than the fact that I'll be back in the car for, you know, seven, seven plus hours down, seven plus hours back. Um, 
but you do what you got to do, right? So, you know, once we're once we're settled, and uh, once there's some some more distance in between it, the house is sold, and the new house is is you know is home. Um, maybe this will be a funnier story. Maybe that'll be something I'll, I'll laugh a little bit about. Maybe I'll be able to to embellish it a little bit down the road. Um, but for right now, it's just kind of the way it is, and do what you got to do. So that's what we're going to do. Next question, also from Mona. Still got a couple a couple of Mona questions here left. Uh, Running-related question, and peeps who share this condition can share their input. I have a bunion on my foot, uh, on both feet actually, more prominently on my left side. It doesn't hurt or anything, but I have definitely noticed that my right toe is always the one that gets a bit raw and then eventually bruised later. I was wondering if that's because the left toe is never straight, if it doesn't hit the shoe like the right one does. Um you know, I've got my, I've got my shoes measured, or my feet measured. So I got the right shoes, etc. Is there a product on the market to cover the big toe in such a way that it won't rub with the index toe while running? That's a, that's an, a very interesting question, Mona, in that something that I've never really thought of before, but I think you, I think you're pretty much on it. I think you pretty much nailed it as far as why, um, the, the right toe, I'm sorry if I'm reading this. Yeah. The right toe gets, gets things a little bit worse than the left because of the, the bunion kind of shifting it a little bit more. Um, and, and a couple of, of options stand out to me as far as products that might, that might help you. One thing you can get, I can't remember exactly what it's called. I, I feel like they're called toe caps, but I'm not sure. But if you Google around a little bit, you'll find them. Um, and they're basically like, like little sleeves, little, little, I don't know if they're, they're silicone probably is not quite the right way of saying it, but they're, they're little sleeves that like you, you can literally kind of just roll them over your, your, your toe. Uh, we, we had them in, in back in my athletic training days and my athletic training life. And I think, I think maybe we jokingly refer to them as toe condoms because it's kind of like you kind of just unroll them down your toe. Um, but you could get one of those, uh, you get a pack of those, of course, but like that might be enough to just kind of, um, you know, it, 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 it doesn't require a lot of tape or anything like that. It just kind of sits on the toe nice and nice and snug. Doesn't really rub. Uh, th- I think there's like a, some type of, of, like <laughs> lubricant to continue the, the toe condom, uh, situation. There's like a, a, a gel or something like that on the inside of it to, to, uh, prevent the, the, the product, the, the cap itself from rubbing on the, on the toe. Um, uh, but it just kind of protects your toe from the shoe or from your other toes, things like that. So that could be an option. Um, if you wanted to try to work on maybe kind of, I, I don't know it, with the bunion, if it would be more problem than not, I mean, it'd be something to maybe think about, but it might not work but doing some like toe yoga to help straight, straighten the toes out or strengthen the feet a little bit more. And you can even get some spacers and you know, like correct toes is a product. There's a, there's a bunch of them, different ones out there that, you know, kind of you, you put between your toes to just kind of help space things out a little bit, space out your feet. Um, and maybe that would be an option to just kind of take some of the, the bend out of your toe or, you know, the angle out of the toe from the bunion. Um, Again, maybe that would cause more problems than it's worth. So, so maybe it's it's not worth it. Maybe it's it's just a tape or a band aid would be enough. Maybe the toe caps. Um, you know, you could always do some of the like the lube situation where you know I know sometimes ultra runners will get all kinds of Vaseline or things like that and just kind of sl- slather them all up between their toes to keep things from rubbing. Um, you might have to just play with some different options to find the one that, that's that's best for you. Um, but yeah, that's got to be annoying. You know, like that's got to be super annoying. Um, so I'd be, I would probably be trying some different things, some tapes, some, some creams, some, some salves, uh, some, some 
stretching some, some, some of those types of things and hope of kind of figuring things out, figuring out a way for it to work. You may, uh, you know, another option that just kind of came, came to thought, but you may try toe socks as well. That could be something that could, that could help prevent that rubbing from, from the toe to toe. Um, now again, maybe the fabric would make things worse instead of better, but it might be worth a shot. Try try the toe socks and see if that makes a difference. I don't know. It's going to be some trial and error though, is, is ultimately the, the, the way this is going to hopefully resolve itself, Mona. You're going to have to try some different things and hope that you stumble across some mix that works for you. Last question from Mona. Did you let your friends give you a farewell party like Kate and the whole gang, which was local? Um, yeah, no, no, we, we don't, I don't do going away parties. Um, Kate and I ran together last weekend and that was our, our, our final kind of hurrah of, of running together. That was fun. Um, but as far as like a big to do, like, no, if somebody wanted to do it to do, they'd come to my house and clean the damn thing. You know, like that would be a, that would be a going away party that I could get on board with. Come to the house, do some sweeping, do some mopping, load some boxes for me. Yeah, that works. But yeah, there was, there was, there was basically never a chance that, uh, I was going to go to any type of shindig. And really there's, there's nobody that I would think I would go, go to anything with besides like Kate, like, like it is kind of, it kind of funny. Uh, me and Kate had a chuckle about Kate and the whole gang. Like the whole gang is Kate. <laughs> I guess, I mean, Kate and her family, I guess like, not that like we're really good friends, but like, like that would be the gang maybe would be like her kids and her husband. Um, but yeah, there's, there was no gang. Um, we, we got, we got 11 something miles in together, had some coffee at the end of it. And she went on, she, she ran some more after that. Uh, I'm still limited ish with, with the wheel. Although it's, it's been feeling pretty good, but I didn't want to push any longer than that. Um, and that was, that was like the, the farewell party. And that was the perfect farewell party for me. Anything more than that would have been no fun for me, which, you know, not to make it all about me all the time, but like if the farewell party is for me and I'm not enjoying it, then let's just not even do it. Right. So, so it worked itself out. It worked itself out, but thanks for the questions, Mona. Good to, good to hear from you. Um, take care of those toes. Hopefully, uh, something from what I said there will help you. And hopefully we'll get some more questions from you next month as well. CC has the next question. I have been contemplating adopting the math method. At the same time, I have a fear of never succeeding as my math heart rate is 120 and my slowest run during warm up tops out at 126 beats per minute. I get anxious that I will have to walk and fake run in order to achieve that goal. How long do you think it will take me to run comfortably with a heart rate at or below 120? Um, CC, I get you. I, I totally get it. Um, and to be quite honest, I'll get to answering your question in a second, Cece, but, it, but to be quite honest, like I think I would have struggled with it too a lot more than I did if my heart rate wasn't at least close to my, my math max when I got started with it. So I, when I started out, um, my math max was, I guess I was, I was, I was like 36, I think, but I'd done some other formula that said that my, my better number would be like one would be like if I was, if I was 38. So I set my max at 142. long winded way of saying that. Um, and just kind of stayed under that for the next three or four years. Right. Um, but when I started, like I could, I could get a couple of miles before it started to tick up. Um, I had to slow down a little bit, but like I was able to run maybe half of my runs 
um, before I before I'd have to do some some serious walking or, or walk a bunch. Um, but all that to say, like if I, if I felt like I couldn't go at all, it would have been a lot more difficult to stick with it. So, um, so I, I, I again, I can empathize with it. I guess I, I can't necessarily say that I've been there, um, but I can I can empathize with with the frustration and the struggle. Um, yes, I think it would. I think you can get there. How long? I mean, I don't know. Who, who knows? Um, but I think the biggest thing to remember is that you want your running to be fun, right? Like no, no matter what, no matter what your training philosophy is, like you want it to be fun. And so if you're stressing out and, and really struggling because you can't get your run easy enough to keep your heart rate down, then maybe math isn't the right thing for you. And, and I say this as a guy who believes in heart rate training, um, but I, I believe more in having fun and enjoying your training. So maybe it's not for you. Maybe, you know, maybe you could, you could still adopt the principles of running easy, but not worrying quite as much about keeping your heart rate below 120. Try to keep it close. But if you're into 122, 125, whatever, like trust that that's okay. The other thing that I would at least float out there. And I don't, I, you know, I don't know what your training routine is, CC, but like, when are you running? And I say all that to say this. I found that it's a lot easier to keep my heart rate down when I run first thing in the morning. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has to be a morning runner. Not saying that by any stretch. But if you're having a cup of coffee, if you're having some pre-workout, like perform from Amino Company, uh, if you're having breakfast, if you're having meals, if you're up and through the day and now it's hotter, you're dealing with life stuff or work stuff or things like that. Like all those factors are going to help to bring your, your heart rate up a little bit, which means that if you then add running to the mix, it's going to be harder to keep your heart rate down, right? Cause you've got caffeine or you've got stress or you've got heat. You've got all these other things that are going on that brings the heart rate up and then you throw running into it. And it's just, it's just, you know, running might be a great stress reliever. It might release all the good hormones, but it's, it's, it's work, right? And you've got all these other things going on that, that your heart rate's starting from a higher level, you know, almost like with Candy's question of like, you know, getting the pace lower so that you can still race faster. Well, if your starting heart rate is a little bit higher due to caffeine or stress or whatever, and then you add running to the mix, well, it's just going to be higher as well. So, Again, in my, in my circular logic, if you can get your run in before all that other stuff happens, before you have any coffee, before you have too much to eat, before you check Facebook or before you, you read the news or before, before you do all the things, before you take, you know, deal with family stuff or, or work stuff or whatever, you might find no guarantees. And maybe you're doing all that already, but you might find if you, if you can get your run in before all of those types of things that you might have a little bit easier time keeping your heart rate down or at least keeping it close. And in which case, maybe, maybe you go, eh, you know, close enough is good enough. I've also heard some, 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 uh, feedback that once you get above 60, which if I'm doing the math, unless, unless you've adapted your math with some other factors, some other variables, but just, you know, 180 minus 60, or I'm sorry, 180 minus your age is how you find the math. So if you're at 120, then you're at 180 minus 60. Like once you start getting below that, or once you start getting older than 60, or once you start getting below that 120 number, um, you can kind of just stay at 120. 
So again, I know you're still struggling to, to get under 120. So that doesn't completely answer the question, but like you don't necessarily have to keep going lower. So you can kind of keep working at it, do some run walking maybe, um, or maybe just enjoy running, having fun and maybe dabble in math every once in a while and see if your, your cardio starts to improve your heart rate starts to improve your, you know, your, your heart rate numbers start to improve a little bit. Um, and then as they get a little bit closer, then you can really maybe dial in and commit to it. But all that to say, have fun. That's the most important piece of the puzzle. If you're having fun, then everything else will kind of have a, have a, have a tendency to hopefully work out. But uh, hopefully that, that helps a little bit, CC. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of something to chew on, some things to try out. Um, and good luck. Good luck. And, and if you do try to stick with it, stay the course. It may take a, a while to get there, but, but you can get there. But if you're struggling too much, hey, just worry about running easy, having fun. And I feel like that's, that's, that's a win right there. Next question from Jackie. Once again, from Jackie, due to heart, due to arthritic knees, I have adopted the Galloway run walk interval method. Some people, mostly non-runners have said that's not really running. So am I really a runner? Oh, Jackie, of course you are. Of course you are. And, and thankful to everybody who jumped in to, to comment on your question and be like, yes, yes, yes. Um, I mean, there's, there's no formula that says that you have to run a certain pace or you have to run a certain distance or you, you can't take a walk break during a run, whether it's a strategic planned regular interval walk break or whether it's a, oh shit, I'm tired and I need a walk break, walk break. You know, like, like anybody who's going to look down their nose at another runner who happens to be walking for 30 seconds or a minute or five minutes or whatever, um, I mean, they can, they can go pound sand as far as I'm concerned. Um, especially when it's come, well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that's a worse criticism coming from runners than from non-runners. Like for a runner to be like, oh, that's not really running. Like you go to hell, you know, like a non-runner, I can dismiss that as just like, they don't like, they're the same ones that ask me, you know, or ask, ask all of us like, oh, you're running a, you're running a marathon. Well, did you win? Well, like, no, I didn't win. Like, no. But they don't know. They, they have no frame of reference, right? So for them, like running is running and everybody's out there just running the whole time. Um, and like, well, how, if you're walking some, then you're not really running. Well, like they don't, they don't know. Like they don't know their ignorance from, you know, and, and so like, I can forgive that for, for them for the most part. I wouldn't forgive a runner for saying that type of thing, but, but all that to say, yes, you are absolutely a runner. Um, doesn't matter how much, doesn't matter how little, doesn't matter what your intervals are. Um, you're out there, you're doing it. And, and as far as I'm concerned, that's all that matters. So, so if you got that little voice in your head saying, well, I don't know, am I really a runner? Like shut that joker up, shut it down. You're absolutely a runner. Absolutely a runner. Next question from Kelly. A couple questions from Kelly. What's the smallest race you've run in terms of participants? Um, I tried to go back and fact check this, but I feel like the race was so small that I can't even find the, the, the records of it. Um, but I ran a race back in, uh, maybe 2013 ish. Um, that was, it was a marathon, but it was, it was a, a half marathon, marathon, 50 K 50 miler, I believe. And I think that between all four races, there was maybe, maybe like 60 participants, um, and somewhat spread out, you know, amongst the different distances. 
but this was like the most low key chill race ever. I, I feel like I've told this story once or twice, or at least the, the alluded to it, but like they literally said in the, 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 the information that went out the day before the race or whatever was like, you know, race time is, is whatever. I can't remember if it's 6am, 7am, doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever time race starts was right. Let's say 7am race starts at 7am. If you want to start early, there's a clipboard at the starting line. Write down your name, write down what time you started, and then we'll figure out the actual time later, you know, after you finish the race. But the aid stations won't be open until, you know, official race starts at 7 a.m. So that was the kind of race that it was, where you could start whenever you wanted to. You know, some of the, the ultra runners started earlier to get to, to, to just, you know, not waste as much of the day, I guess. Um, and I, like, couldn't believe that, like, what do you mean you start whenever you want? And there was, there was probably like 20 of us that took off at the start and then we passed some folks and, and, you know, that were, that were doing the 50 miler and I was doing the marathon, although I wasn't in shape to do the marathon anyway, but that's another story for another day. Um, but, but I can't remember exactly what the numbers were because in part, you know, some people started before us, some people started after us, like who knows. Um, but I don't think there was more than like 50, 60 people in that race. And so it was a lot of time just out there by yourself. Once, once the race kind of spread out a little bit like a long out and back. Um, and you were just flying solo most of the time, most of the time. But that was, that has to be in terms of like longer distance races. I mean, maybe I, I don't know if you know if I've done like a, a charity 5k that had less than that. I mean, that was, that was a pretty small race in terms of participants. Um, maybe even smaller than, than I like, and y'all know I like a small race, but that was, that was a bit extreme. That was a bit extreme. Next question from Kelly sunscreen. Do you wear it? Do you recommend one? You're over 40 now and you're outdoors in a sunny location. Are you going to get a dermatologist screening anytime soon? Oh man, Kelly, this is, this is a, this is a not fair question. Um, because my answers are going to disappoint some and like, no, I don't wear, I don't wear sunscreen. Um, I, and I know, I know I probably should, whatever. Um, but like I, I am somehow, I don't know where in, in Germany, I don't know where in Bavaria, um, that I have, I have some type of ancestral connection with genes that just like, I don't burn. Um, I might get a little bit pink once in a while. Like, like we were at the water park for Addison's birthday and we were, we were out in the sun for like probably the better part of like five hours. Um, and I got a little bit pink, but like by the time we got home, it was tan again. So like I've got the melatonin connection going on. Um, and I know that doesn't, doesn't protect me from skin cancer and I should probably still wear sunscreen, but, uh, yeah, I just kind of don't. Um, and, and yes, I'm in an out, I'm, I'm in a sunny location, but like, I don't spend a lot of time out in the sun, at least not in the summertime. I try not to too hot. Um, so, so I'm out some, sometimes if I'm going to be out for a long time, instead of wearing sunscreen, I do have like a, um, like a, a, a tech shirt that is, that, that has UV blocker in it. Like it's, it's made to be a, a sunscreen type of shirt. Um, so I'll wear that if I'm working in the yard, things like that. Um, but yeah, I don't wear sunscreen. I, I don't have any plans of going to the dermatologist anytime soon. Maybe someday, maybe someday, but, uh, for right now. Yeah, I, I for for somebody that's all about prevention and not cure, I don't do a very good job on the prevention front. But but again, I don't go outside much in the daytime, at least not for extended periods of time. It's it happens once in a while, 
but usually uh, I avoid peak sun exposure uh, as much as possible. And what little bit I do get, like it's it's pretty brown pretty quickly. And so I, I guess for that reason, I don't worry about it as much as probably I should. Probably I should. So thanks for planting the seed. Maybe Maybe one of these days I'll do what I probably should do instead of what I actually do do. And yes, I did just say do do. Moving on, one final question from Kelly. Um, do you have any recommendations? For, oh, sorry, that's the wrong question. Do you really use daggum and similar words in real life or only on the podcast? So, um, yes, yes, and. Uh, I, I definitely um, use some of those words in real life um, to try to avoid using even more colorful words that I would probably prefer to use. Um, but in certain situations in life, whether it's because children are around, whether it's because, you know, old ladies are around and you don't want to offend the old ladies or whether it's just like, you know, maybe the, the, the company is such that like, Hey, let's, let's not get too colorful with our words. So we'll use daggum and some of those types of things then. Um, I mean, I, you know, I let, I let slip a, a, a four letter word here and there on the podcast, but I try not to make it like super terrible. Uh, as far as the language goes, like, I'm not super worried about it, you know, and if you're going to be offended by my use of a four letter word once in a while, like, I mean, sorry, but not really. But if I, but I also try to like, not go full, like just sailor language on the show. Um, so we get some daggums and we get some bloodies and we get some of those types of things that, uh, y'all know what I'm, what I mean. Y'all know where I'm going, but Maybe it's a little bit more um, family-friendly to throw a daggum in there than, uh, well, you know what that would be. So, you know, yes, I use them sometimes in real life, um, but not all the time. Not all the time. But yes, I use them. Yes, I use them to answer your question. Thanks for the questions, Kelly. Appreciate you. Next question from north of the border. Brian asks, do you have any recommendations for those training to run multiple races in a weekend? Um, I mean, not really. Like, not not outside of the, the, the things that, to me, would be relatively common sense. But maybe they're not. Maybe that's why you're asking the question. So, you know, if you're, if you're running multiple races on, on a weekend, uh, you just need to get some good miles in. And, and maybe get some miles in occasionally on some tired legs. So whether that's doing a double or kind of doing some type of back-to-back pseudo long run, like what a lot of ultra runners will do. Um, and not that it needs to be like back-to-back 20 milers, but maybe you get, you know, 10 miles on, on a Saturday and then 15 or 20 miles on a Sunday instead of like normally taking Friday as a rest day or normally only doing a couple miles on, or on Saturday versus Sunday, whatever, whatever your days happen to be. Uh, but the day before your long run, trying to go a little bit longer just so that you, you have a little bit more confidence and comfort in getting out there and kind of working through some of that stiffness that maybe you have and then settling in and cruising along and, and, you know, being okay that way. Um, but like I wouldn't get overcomplicated, make sure you're getting some good miles in, make sure you're getting some good recovery in as well. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a, to me, it's a don't overthink it type of situation. Like multiple races on the weekend are going to be a, a, a challenge. Um, when you get to the weekend, you know, kind of having a plan as far as how you're going to attack it. Are you going to try to race multiple races? Are you going to just kind of cruise along and have some good, good races, but not like dropping the hammer at at any one point? Um, 
you know, all those different types of, of things come into play or different types of decisions that you have to make come into play. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, training, like get good miles in focus on your base training. Um, maybe a speed workout here or there, but I would focus on base and trust that that's going to carry me through when it's, you know, a 5k and a 10k and a half or whatever, whatever your setup of multiple races on the weekend goes. And then of course it really comes down to how well you can manage between races, what your recovery can look like, how much time you have to recover, to refuel, replenish, um, so that you're not starting too far behind the eight ball any one day. But those are more logistical race day plans than, than training and training is just like, keep on keeping on, maybe bump your mileage up just a little bit maybe a couple of back-to-backs or some doubles. Um, but don't go crazy because you don't want to break that. You break yourself down. You don't want to wind up overtrained, right? Like bump up the miles a little bit. Trust the process. Hope that makes sense. Hope that wasn't too dismissive. Did, so they didn't mean it that way, but I think that's one of those, like I said, where it's easy to overthink. Um, when there's not like when I trained for, for, for goofy, um, a couple years ago, you might remember, uh, when I did the team and training run, it was, it was a half on one day, a full on the next. And like, basically I just, I just trained, I trained like I would train for a marathon and then just ran a half marathon the day before. Uh, but I wasn't racing either of those races. Like I was cruising plenty of stops for photos. Uh, just taking my sweet time. Thankfully remembering my shoes the second day. Um, but just, just, you know, my training wasn't that dramatically different. I might've ran a, a couple more long runs, or I, like I said, I might've done a couple of kind of those pseudo back-to-backs where I did a little bit longer on Fridays and then went into Saturday with a little bit of fatigue, but not much, not much. Mostly just trained for a marathon and counted the the half as like the warm up or the shakeout or whatever you want to call it. So there you go. Uh, thanks for the question, Brian. Next, next up, it's that time again. It's the time for the Tom trifecta. First question from Tom rain again. We talked, I feel like we talked about rain last month, Tom, we're talking about rain again. All right, here we go. Okay, I think I found a great waterproof jacket that is very lightweight. It is made by Say Sky and looks like a high quality jacket for $395. Holy crap. $395 for a rain jacket. Would you pay for this? What if you could leave it to, you know, what about if you could leave it to your children or grandchildren? So, um, I mean, for $395 for a rain jacket, it better be high quality. Um, and it better breathe and it better be waterproof and it, it better be all those things. It better tick all those boxes, right? Like would I pay $400 for a high quality rain jacket. I mean, it's hard for me to say that I would. Um, but at the same time, if it's as good as advertised and if it's durable, if it'll last for years, like, I mean, I have, I have a, a really good rain jacket that, um, I probably would have never paid for, but back when, back in my ultra days, um, they made this new rain jacket and they gave it to the ambassadors, or at least we had an option to get one and I grabbed it. Um, and like, it's really good, really good. And it was like a hundred and I don't know, $115, $120, something like that. Again, not that I paid for it, but knowing what I know now about that jacket and how well it works in, in the rain and how well it can even work as kind of a, of a light jacket on a non rainy day. Is it still breathes all right? Um, like if something were to happen to that jacket, would I pay $120 to replace it? I mean, I'd think about it. I'd definitely think about it and I'm about as cheap as they come. So like I could, I could see a scenario 
where I could justify an expense like that for something that's super good quality that lives up to all the, the expectations that's durable, that would last. Um, I could see a scenario, but man, that's a lot of money for a rain jacket. But again, if you live somewhere where it was 40 and rainy or 50 and rainy, you know, like you talked about last, last month, I think was, if I remember right, where it's like when it's really cold and rain, you're good. When it's warm and rain, you're fine. But it's when it's in that middle ground and rainy, like it's kind of miserable. Like how much is, is potentially solving that problem worth? Especially if it's not like it's that temperature for like one week of the year where it rains. But like, you know, if that's, if, if you got a couple of months of that every spring, every fall, um, and it'll hold up well. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's still a big pill to swallow. I get it. But could I see justifying it going, this would be the jacket that I'll wear running from, you know, March through the, the first of May and, you know, the end of September through the first of November, every time it rains for the next 10 years. Like, would that be worth it? I mean, probably, maybe, maybe. So, yeah, would I pay that? I mean, I'd have a hard time, but like, I could, I could, I could probably justify it. Ugh. And it kind of hurts me to say that, but I think I could. I think I could. Good luck making that decision. But, uh, but yeah, it's 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 an option, and and hopefully it's one of those options where you know you get what you pay for, and and you and if you decide to get it, and you're like, damn, this was four hundred dollars, but it is. It is $400 very well spent because it's that high quality. And if so, let us know so that uh, some of us might take the plunge. You can be that you can be the first penguin off the ledge to make sure there's no, there's no seals in the water, right? You, you can, you can make sure that we're safe uh, to get it and then let us know. And maybe some other people will take the plunge with you as well. Next question from Tom. I recently ran a couple of races, a 10 K and a four miler and felt good about my times. I actually set a 10 K PR. However, I felt like I could have done more and that I was not completely exhausted at the end of either race and recovered fairly quickly. How do you learn to give absolutely 100% in a race and know that you had nothing left in the tank? Um, that's an interesting question, Tom. And I, I think that um, the, the book Endure by Alex Hutchinson kind of pops, pops into my head about kind of our, our mind actually like preventing us from being able to give 100% in a race. And so I don't know that you actually can learn to, to give absolutely everything. Um, because it's like, just, you know, we, we've kind of been programmed over the years to make sure we've always got a little something left in resolve just in case we finish and think, all right, we're good. We're done now. And then like a saber tooth tiger jumps out of, you know, comes across the finish line after us and we got to move again. So like, I'm not sure that you really can give everything. Um, that said, you know, I think that, I think that there's a part of, of being a competitive athlete that no matter how well the race goes, you're, you're, you're always maybe have the potential. You always maybe have the potential. That's three words that should not probably go together in a, in a single statement like that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you should always maybe have the potential. What was I, what was I even saying that as a competitive athlete, when you, when you get across the finish line, even on a day that you PR, even on a day that you've literally run this distance faster than you've ever run it before, 
You've pushed your body to a limit that it's never been to before. You get across the finish line, you go, damn, I could have gone a little bit faster. And I think that's just the, the competitive drive, the, maybe something of, of human nature, or some people are wired that way, that like you may very well have given it everything 100%. But you still find a way to say, well, I could have gone, I could have, I could have cut this, this, this tangent a little bit closer. I could have, um, you know, not stopped for water or I could have, um, you know, could have, would have, should have, I could have pushed just a little bit harder. Maybe, maybe five minutes earlier, I could have started my kick instead of waiting until, waiting until I could see the finish line. Maybe I could have started my kick with, with, you know, a quarter of a mile to go. I mean, maybe, but like, you just ran faster than you ever ran before. So I feel like that's, that's, and again, this is like, I've been there. I've, how many times have I told the half marathon story with the four seconds? And it's just like, ah, even though it was a 10 minute PR, like, ah, um, but like, I think maybe it just, it just is kind of how some of us are wired. And even if you did give it all, it's easy to say, well, maybe I could have given more, even though you couldn't have. Because maybe you could have been a little bit, you think you could have been a little faster somewhere. So all that to say, I, I don't have a good answer for you other than to say that, that I'm not sure that physiologically it really is possible to give a hundred percent. Um, and also to, to just kind of remember that like we, some of us always kind of want a little bit more and maybe we need to, to cut ourselves some slack that, Oh, I don't feel like I gave it everything. Well, you, you probably gave everything you could. And sometimes that's, that's just the way it's going to be. All right. Last question from Tom. So how are those Georgia peaches treating you? What's your favorite peach dish? Haven't gotten any Georgia peaches yet. Uh, sure. That'll be something. I mean, we've, we've been here for less than 24 hours now, so, you know, we still got some time. Um, but, uh, favorite peach dish. I mean, like this, I don't know if this counts as a dish. It probably doesn't, but my favorite, my favorite peach option is when you get one of those peaches, it's like the size of a softball and it's just juicy AF. And like the best way to eat that is to just bite into it and just let that juice just, just kind of flow, you know, and it covers, covers the chin and it gets on the shirt. Um, but it's just sweet and juicy and delicious. I mean, that's, that's about as good as it gets, you know, fresh off the tree. Good to go. Uh, but it's, in terms of proper dishes, I mean, like, I don't know that there's a bad peach dish. I'm sure there probably is. Like peach cobbler is great. Peach crisp is great. Peaches cut up and, you know, over ice cream is great. Um, I mean, I'm pretty much down for peaches just about any way I can get them is, is really the moral of the story. Um, grilled peaches are delicious, you know, like, like. A good peach is is pretty hard to ruin, pretty hard to screw up. So bring it on, bring on your favorite peach dishes. But you know, if I had to go, I'd, I'd either say fresh or probably peach cobbler, just because peach cobbler is awesome. Yeah. Thanks for the questions, Tom. As always. Next, next one. Uh oh, here it comes. We got Melody chiming in. I'm not going to inundate you with questions this month since you've got since since you're in the thick of it. Does that make you happy? So you, you, you lead with you're not going to ask a question, and then you ask a question, Melody. Ay, caramba. Um, uh, you know, no, it doesn't make me happy, but, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you 
uh, helping to keep this this episode to some level of of duration that's that doesn't approach ridiculous. Um, but no doubt you're just refilling the chambers and you'll you'll come back with all kinds of nonsense next month. But always good to hear from you, milady. Um, hope you all had a good time in Iowa. Uh, glad to not be answering a bunch of corn questions this month. Um, and yes, good good to hear from you with just one simple little question instead of being inundated with nonsense. Speaking of nonsense, no, not really nonsense, but next question, next next uh, hat trick plus one. What's what's the four goal? A, a four-corner hat? Um, we got Gary Joe Collins coming back in, chiming in from Twitter. You know, he's my he's my guy that doesn't do Facebook, which means that uh, we, we get some questions on, on the Twitters once in a while from him. So every once in a while, we, we, make, it, we make it happen. Uh, but here we go, a little hat trick from GJC this month. Uh, first one, headphones. Yay, yay, nay, or... What kind of brand do you prefer? Um, so, I have some I have some strong thoughts on headphones while running. Headphones, pretty much any time. Like, if you're listening to some type of audio from your phone or from your MP3 player device of, of choice or whatever device of choice you have, and it's not like something that everybody's listening to or watching. Like, put your damn headphones in. Yes, put your headphones in. If you're running and you're not listening to... You're trying to listen to music without your headphones on, I have some bad thoughts about you as a runner. Not about you as a runner, but about your your courtesy towards your fellow runner. Now, I get... I get that in some situations, you might not feel comfortable having headphones in, right? Like, you still want to be able to hear traffic or hear... hear other people approaching you, things like that. Um, and I get that. I get, I, I recognize that scenario in that case, you know, get some, some wireless headphones or even headphones with wires where you can just put one earbud in and have one earbud out. So you can still hear, get some aftershocks. That's what I've been wearing of late. I don't know that I love them, but they work well. So I guess for my, my brand that I prefer to answer your question, aftershocks, I've got a pair of those. Rebecca's got a pair of those. Um, those work well, but like if you're out running by yourself and you feel more comfortable listening to your music without your headphones in, I think it's annoying. I think it's, it's not being courteous, but like, I get it. But if you're in a race and you're running a race without headphones on and I run by you and accidentally knock the phone out of your hand, it probably wasn't an accident. Like, I try not to be a bad person, but come on. This is just, this is one of those things that just grinds my gears like it's nobody's business. I don't want to listen to your nonsense music. Even if you're listening to music that I like, I don't want to listen to your music. I don't want to have no choice but to listen to your music while we're running next to each other. So put your headphones on or run without music in a race, period. Rant over. Whew. Rant over. Question two. Goal race not named the Boston Marathon. I don't know, man. I, like this this is one of those questions that I don't really have a goal race not, that's not Boston. There's like a dozens of races I would love to run. I'd love to run Big Sur. Um, love to run some international races. You know, love to run. Um, I don't know. I mean, like I really don't. I really like like Chicago. Eh. You know, New York. Eh, yeah. I mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't mind running New York. Chicago is like not really high on my list. 
Um, but like I would, I would run it, of course, if I had the opportunity. Uh, but like a goal race or a dream race or something that I'm really like, yes, I want to do. Eh, not really. Um, I would like to do like a rim to rim to rim of the Grand Canyon someday. That's not really a, a, a race, but like that would be something that would be like a big goal of mine beyond like the Boston Marathon. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I don't know, something, something fun, something scenic. Um, but I don't really have any like big destination type of races that are like must do's for me. Like, I'm just, I'm down for whatever. Kind of just down for whatever. Third question before we get to the, the bonus question, uh, who handles the cooking at the Casa de Diz? Um, well, I mean, typically me. Uh, Rebecca cooks once in a while, but I, I, I probably do, uh, the majority of the cooking. Um, but a lot of that just is, is, has worked itself out because of, um, convenience, you know, like I work from home and she hasn't worked from home. So a lot easier for me to start cooking at, you know, four thirty, five o'clock. So dinner's ready. Um, as opposed to waiting until she gets home. So it's just kind of been like, it just, to me, it's a no brainer. Um, she cooks once in a while. I cook most of the time, Meh, whatever. That's just kind of how things have shaken out. Uh, last but not least, if I could add one more to the hat trick, which yeah, there's gotta be some type of penalty for that. A good pre-run warmup for people like me who don't do pre-run warmups. So, um, you know, when it comes to, to pre-run warmups, yes, I'm a fan. Yes. I would encourage you to do something, Gary, Joe, make it, make it happen. Um, but you, you know, you can go about that in, in multiple ways. Like you can have some type of set warm-up routine like I do with the lunges and the leg swings, things like that. And maybe that's the easiest, you know, kind of set something that takes you three or four minutes or five minutes even that maybe isn't perfect, but it's better than nothing. Um, and then it just, it just kind of becomes autopilot. Like it's just part of the run. You just do it and you don't even really think about it. Um, but another thing to do is just kind of like, you know, spend that, that first, you know, if, if you're running first thing in the morning or before you run, whatever, like kind of take an inventory of where you're, where you are, what you're feeling, you know, is there any like little trouble spots, anything barking at you and then make that the focus of, of your warmup. So like if your Achilles is barking at you doing some, some toe raises or some calf raises, some calf stretches, um, walking around on your tiptoes, things like that to kind of help loosen things up. If your knees are a little creaky, you know, doing some squats or some lunges or, um, you know, just some high knees, like marching, like marching in place where you're really bending the knee up, you know, lifting the hip uh, all the way up, bending the knee as well, kind of kicking, kicking behind you. Just, just kind of focusing on what areas are the trouble spots and making sure that those are prepped and ready to go. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, like, I think, I think getting a good routine warm up and then maybe supplementing with, all right, well, this is a little bit sore today. So let's spend a little extra time here, um, would serve you well would serve you well. And it doesn't need to be a, a massive thing. You know, mine takes five, six minutes. Um, but you could, you could cut it down shorter than that if you needed to. Um, but I would make the argument that spending five or six minutes there and running for, you know, a half a mile or three quarters of a mile less, um, you might get more bang from your, from your buck and you might have a better chance of staying healthy long-term by just prepping, prepping the system before you get out there. The other thing to think of though, and, and I know I, I lose sight of this sometimes when I'm talking about warmups, but if you're not running first thing in the morning, like maybe, oh, and I hate to say this because I know how y'all take us and run with it, but maybe the warmup isn't quite as essential. I still think it's good. I still think it's something you should do, but if you're an afternoon runner, an evening runner, you've been up all day and moving around and this and that and the other, like your body's probably somewhat ready to go. Now, is it finely tuned and ready to go for running? I mean, maybe not. But like more so than mine is when I roll out of bed at, 
you know, five o'clock and I'm out the door at five fifteen. So maybe, maybe then you could, you could be a little bit more discretionary on the warm up if you're running later in the day after your body's been up and moving around all day as well. So something to keep in mind, maybe a, a little out for those of you that don't like doing the warm ups. Um, but I think it's a point that, that I don't make as often as I could and maybe as I should, um, or at least clarify that type of point as well. So there you go. Four questions from Gary Joe. That means you only get two next month. All right. Only two. Can't, can't, uh, oh, can't be overreaching. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, next question. Next two questions, both from Michaela. If you could make a Reese's cup into anything, what would it be? Whew. That's, that is a head scratcher because, you know, I mean, I, I, like on one hand, I don't care. Like I'll take a Reese's cup in any shape, any form, any, whatever, like we'll take it. Um, but actually, Rebecca and I have talked about this. I don't, maybe it was in, it was due to your question. Maybe we talked about it before. I can't quite remember. But we are both of the the belief, I would say the correct belief, that Reese's Reese's peanut butter cups are great. They're great. But the special edition Reese's that come out starting around Thanksgiving, you get the 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 pumpkin ones. I'm sorry, around Halloween, you get the pumpkin ones. Christmas, you get the Christmas trees. Valentine's Day, maybe you get some hearts. Easter time, you get some you get some eggs. Like those are like a step above a regular Reese's peanut butter cup. Chocolate's a little bit different. There's more peanut butter. Like those are those are where it's at. But from Easter to Halloween, there's really no like seasonal Reese's. To, to tempt you, right? Like I enjoy a Reese's cup, but I'm not really tempted by a Reese's cup. Put some, some, you know, Christmas trees or ghosts or pumpkins at Halloween or whatever. And now, now we've got some temptation brewing. So at the, at the risk of self-sabotage, I say Reese's should, should get into something, something for the summertime, some type of Reese's themed Reese's seasonal, something or another for the summer, maybe a sun, which would be kind of contradictory that you make chocolate in the shape of a sun, which the sun would, of course, melt the chocolate, but whatever. You know, maybe just summertime sun Reese's. Um, but I feel like that would be that would be a practical use. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm down for a Reese's anything. Reese's cup anything. Bring it on. Down the hatch. Next question also from Michaela. What are you most excited about for your new home? Um, I mean, right now, just being in it, settling into it uh, unpacking, <laughs> like, like actually just making it a home, you know? Um, I'm sure there'll be more like, like, you know, I'm excited to see the finished product. The, the last time we saw it, it was just, you know, drywall on the walls and unfinished everything and no flooring and, and no paint on anything. And, and, um, so I'm kind of excited to just like walk in and it, it like almost have a feeling it could almost be like one of those, like, you know, HGTV shows. Um, because like we haven't, seen like we see we've seen some pictures but like still very much unfinished right and so being able to just kind of walk in and be like whoa all right like hopefully that's the reaction right hopefully we're not like ugh um but like excited to just kind of walk in for the first time and just see see the new house um that's that's pretty exciting so but yeah i mean the most thing definitely is just being settled making it home uh closing the chapter on the florida book and opening the opening the georgia book up um, that's, that's what I'm excited about. 
Next two questions, both from Sharon. First one, have you started scoping out new running routes yet? What places are you excited to explore? So yeah, obviously been, been looking a little bit. Um, thankfully our, our, the neighborhood that we're moving into is, is pretty big. I think I will determine this shortly, but I think it might actually be bigger than the neighborhood that I've been in. Um, where normally I'm getting about six miles, you know, covering my, my whole neighborhood down in Florida. Um, I kind of think that there's a chance and I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree, but I could see more than six miles just in the neighborhood, which, which poses two options, right? Like I could go longer in the neighborhood or I could have multiple routes within the neighborhood that are still giving me five or six miles a day. So that's, that's intriguing. I've been looking for some trails. I uh, haven't, haven't really found too much yet in terms of like good nature trails, but I'm sure I'll, I'll find some, but I found some like rail trails, things like that, that, that I could explore a little bit. So it could be some good places for some long runs. Although a lot of times those involve outs and backs, which aren't exactly my favorite, but maybe the trail is good enough that it'll be all right. We'll see. We'll check them out. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, and just excited to explore different, different parts of town. I mean, Augusta's not too far away. Maybe I'll come down to Augusta and, and run here once in a while, which I say here, cause that's where I'm recording this from. That's where our Airbnb is in Augusta. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, definitely looking forward to places to explore different routes, things like that. Um, but for me, at least there's a big difference between looking at them on the map and then getting out there and actually doing it. And so it will be exciting to, you know, get the shoes on and head out the door and explore both the neighborhood and the surrounding neighborhoods and just other places through town. Uh, see what we can see. Cause I got a feeling there's, there's a lot out there to check out. So, uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Next question. Again, also from Sharon, I know you're mostly a solo runner. Do you think you'll join any, um, local running groups in order to find potential running partners? I mean, yeah, potentially, uh, you know, I might, I might scope out and see if there's some, um, you know, local running clubs or things. I mean, I know that there is, but you know, might scope out some of their, their group runs, things like that, or maybe their long runs, join those. Um, and again, also potentially, you know, seeing what happens if there's other runners in the neighborhood. I, mean, I don't know that there is, but I don't know that there's not. Um, but you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the worst thing to find somebody that lives, you know, across the street or two streets over or whatever. Um, and you know, like that could be, an option. So who knows? Who knows? We'll see. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to like become a social butterfly when it comes to my running. I don't think, but having an option to once or twice a week to run with some folks, like I'm okay with that. Like, I don't, I don't mind that option. Um, but, but of course the key is like, we have to be compatible with our running, right? Like if they're trying to hammer or do workouts all the time, like that's not going to work for me. Cause I'm going to keep on keeping on with my heart rate training. Um, and if they're going to try to push on, on long runs, that's not going to work, which is why I lost a lot of my, my running friends or running partners, that I used to have with the pack group because they just kept hammering and which is fine, but I wasn't hammering anymore. So we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. Hopefully I'll find some folks, but if not, you know, maybe I'll just do more of the, uh, the, the call me, uh, long runs where I'll just post up my phone number and y'all, y'all can be my running partners. You know, maybe, maybe haven't, it's been a while since we've done that. Might have to, might have to break that, that photo back out. Maybe take, take a new one. Um, and let y'all give me a call. If you're so inclined, who knows, who knows? We'll see. Um, next question from Jackie on a scale of one to 10, how well did you purge while packing with 10 being a lot? Um, I mean, not a 10. I, I, I maybe wish we would have been at a 10, but that would mean we'd get rid of like everything. Right. And so, so that would be almost an impossibility. I would say like maybe a, a, a five, if I'm optimistic, a six, like, like there's no doubt in my mind that when we're unpacking, 
that there's going to be a lot of times that it's like, why did we bring this? Like, why didn't we just get rid of this? Um, and there will probably be a, a situation or two where it's just going to be like, uh, well, why didn't we bring that? Or why, you know, why did we, why did we get rid of that thing? So, you know, we got rid of a lot. We had a lot to get rid of, which is problematic. Um, and again, probably could have gotten rid of more, but is what it is. So five, six, like, like we did, we did pretty good job, probably left some, some stones unturned. Um, but didn't bring as much junk with us as we could have. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tentatively call it a win. Another question from Jackie predict. If you think you will find more road treasures on your new running routes, fewer or the same. Um, I'm going to predict more, but different. There's a pretty good chance, especially if I do most of my runs in the neighborhood, in the new neighborhood, there's a pretty good chance it's going to be a long time before I see another toilet on a run. Um, because our neighborhood's new. Like it's, it's, I think, I think the first homes in the neighborhood were built like three years ago and there's still, I don't know how many homes left to be built. Uh, there's still several, several months worth of, of building to, to go or several, I don't know, maybe not several years, but I think we're maybe still another year before estimated completion of all the, all the building in the neighborhood, which means that probably not a lot of bathroom renos will be happening anytime soon. So I don't foresee seeing too many toilets in the neighborhood. Might have to go outside of the neighborhood for that. Might have to find some older, older neighborhoods, older parts of town. See if I can't come across a toilet once in a while. Um, but that said, I mean, it's a lot of houses, a lot of opportunities for nonsense, blow up items, yard decor, maybe some flower gardens, maybe some nature. Cause it is a little bit, there's a little bit of nature around us too, which is, which is nice. Maybe see some, some, some animals, some critters out there. Um, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I got a feeling I'm going to see a lot of stuff. I mean, and if you're paying attention, you can, you can kind of always see stuff, right? Um, it's just going to be different stuff probably. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, and it'll make, it'll make that next toilet. I see that much, that much more precious, right? Uh, we'll see. I mean, and, and y'all know, cause I'll keep posting stuff. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully fewer fun with filters and more seen on my runs, but, uh, we'll just kind of take it as it comes. Next question from Barb. Is there a statistical data about how long it takes to get back to your previous state of fitness after time off? I had to take eight weeks off post-surgery, then was able to slowly start to incorporate running again. It's been way easier to get back into my lifting routine than it has been to running. I feel like I'm starting at ground zero and it's frustrating. So great, great question, Barb. And, and the short answer is no, not, at least as far as I'm aware of, there's no, there's no real data out there in large part because it, it just depends, right? Like it depends on what had happened that necessitated the time off. Meaning that like eight weeks off to heal one injury versus eight weeks off to heal another completely different type of injury could very well take, you know, some person could take four weeks to get back. Some person could take six months to get back. Like it just depends on, on what had to be done right? Was it, was, was it something structural? Was it like, like, I don't even want to speculate like all the different types of injuries and surgeries and things like that, that could go on. Um, it's, it's impossible. I, I would say it's impossible to really have any definitive data, um, to, to really give a good firm estimate. Um, you know, I've heard it say, and this is just a rule of thumb type of thing 
that like basically takes about as time as long as you're off to get back. So if you were off for eight weeks, it would take about eight weeks to get your fitness back. And I like that. And I think that there's some merit to that. But again, I think that there's some, some injuries, some, some illnesses, some things that could happen that would take way longer just because of, you know, underlying factors as far as what was injured, what you were able to do while you were injury, while you were recovering. Could you, could you do some other cross training to help maintain some fitness? Um, or were you, were you, were you, you know, couch bound, bed bound, where you completely non-weight bearing. Like, like there's so many factors at play that, that impact that recovery time, um, that also impacts what you're able to do, which, which impacts how long it takes you to get back to your full running fitness. So, I mean, I would say, and, and, I, and hopefully this doesn't come across as, is somehow dismissive, but like the fact that your lifting routine has gotten back pretty quickly is good. And I'm sorry that it's taking as long to get your running back. It will come back. I believe that. But based on the surgery that you had, apparently, for one reason or another, it's just taking the running a little bit longer to come back. And again, totally frustrating. Feeling like you're starting at ground zero sucks. I promise you, you're not really starting at ground zero. Um, But it may kind of feel like you're dabbling there for a while. And then you maybe have a, a quicker bounce back once you get some of that base back. Maybe not. But I, I think that's a possibility. So stay the course, trust the process, um, and vent, vent in here whenever you need to, right? Like feel free to come in the group and vent and complain. Uh, feel free to ask questions or, or vent and complain in, in, the, in future Q&As. Uh, but hopefully by the time we get to the next month's Q&A, things will be coming around a little bit better for you, Barb, and you'll at least be feeling like you're not at ground zero anymore. Um, maybe even you know up, up a few floors, getting closer to where you were um, before, before you had to take the time off, but it's a frustrating process. No doubt. No doubt at all. Uh, next question, three questions left, two from Karen, one from Corey. First one from Karen. I heard somewhere that salty sweaters don't deal with the humidity as well as someone that doesn't sweat a lot. It makes sense to me because I have a friend that I run with that is a very salty sweater. She doesn't deal with the humidity very well, but I seem to fare a little bit better while I'm not as salty of a sweater. What are your thoughts on that? What would you be your recommendations to help her out? Um, I think kind of back to, to Lewis's question, Karen, that is it the humidity or is it the heat? I feel like it's the heat that's causing her to sweat. Maybe there's, there's humidity that's a factor there as well. But, you know, I think the fact that, that just a saltier sweater when sweating a lot is going to have a harder time in those type of environments, whether it's hot and dry, whether it's hot and humid, whatever, because you're just, you're losing more of the salts. You're losing more of the electrolytes through, through your sweat. Um, and so you got to replace those. So it makes sense that a saltier sweater is going to struggle more in the heat or humidity. Um, I don't, again, I don't know that it's exactly the humidity as it is probably the combination or, or maybe more the heat than the humidity. Um, but, but I mean, it makes sense totally. And the recommendation would be to, to get more salt in, to get more salt in during the run. So maybe adding some type of electrolyte solution to a water bottle, um, maybe take a salt pill, maybe make sure you're, you're adding more salt when you're not running or well, or you're for your friend when she's not running as well so that she's replacing all that salt that she's lost so that the next run, she's starting from a full tank, um, instead of starting from a half tank, which then, you know, you run out quicker, right? So maybe you have less of a, of an impact by making sure that the, the salt stores are topped off every day. Um, which is kind of what I try to do with adding salt to the water bottle, adding some electrolyte stuff here and there, eating some, you know, adding some salt to my food, things like that. Uh, just try to make sure that I've always got, you know, enough sodium in the system, maybe a little bit of potassium and calcium as well. 
um, just to make sure that, that when I'm out there, you know, loading a pot or running or whatever, uh, and I'm losing all kinds of, or I'm sweating like crazy, losing those electrolytes, try not to, to have it impact me too much because we've got plenty in the tank. Um, and also I'm continuing to replace it as we go. Next question from Karen. I know you have said at times you need to work on your mental strength on the run. Have you come up with different strategies to get you through a tough run? Recently, I just count to 30 and start all over again. Sometimes I will try to remember a mantra, always looking for new ideas. Um, I mean, great, great question, Karen. And yeah, something I've definitely struggled with, something I feel like I've gotten a little bit better at. Mantras have helped a little bit, but but quite frankly, I think the thing that's helped me the most, like I, I don't think I've had some of those mental struggles as much recently. Um, and by recently, I mean like the last couple few years, because I think that it's just, it's just a matter of like proof being in the pudding, meaning that as I've, as I've continued to run more, as I've run more miles, as I've run longer races, like I know it's not going to be perfect the whole way. I know there's going to be some ups and downs, but I also know I've done it before. I've been there, done that. Right. And so I think that that gives me a, a fair bit of confidence that kind of helps keep some of my mental demons a little bit more at bay. I think I struggled more with the mental side of things when it was a lot more unknown or when it was, I'd done it once, but like, I don't know if I can do it again. And you know, for something that's, that's longer, if I'm pushing outside of my comfort zone, that can always come back. But having run, you know, several 50 Ks and, and a 45 ish miler, like I don't feel like I would have as many mental struggles running a marathon as I used to. I've also run more marathons, right? So I'm more, I, I've done it. I've been there, done that a bit more. Now, of course, if I'm pushing hard, trying to race, like there's going to be some of those battles in there, but that's where maybe I turn to a mantra or again, just like you've done this before you've run all these miles, you've done the training. Like, like there's just something for me, maybe it's the the logical side of my brain that just says, Hey, like the more you do the work, the more comfortable you are or more confident you are that you'll be able to do the work. And so it just kind of becomes a self-fulfilling situation. So, you know, the key is finding what works for you though, right? Like if counting helps gets you out of your head, that works. Mantras help. Um, and maybe just, you know, maybe music too. Like that can be a thing where if you save your music till you really need it, that, that has gotten me out of some, some slumps as well, where, you know, I don't turn the music on until I really need it. But when I do boom, good to go. Good to go. So different options, but, uh, uh, hopefully you can find the right mix that works for you. It sounds like you're doing all right, but yeah, never, never a bad idea to look for some other options as well. Different, different tool to have in the toolbox, just in case you need something else down the road. Last but not least, this one popped up while we were recording. So I haven't even seen this question yet from Corey. One more from North of the border before we wrap things up today. One quick question with a change in work schedule. How is a long run every two weeks going to affect my build up to a 50 K? What if anything should change on other runs? I was thinking of just trying to bump up the easy runs a bit to keep up uh, with the mileage. First race is, it's my first race in almost three years. It was going to be my first quote unquote official marathon, but they opened a 50 K and that seemed like a more logical choice. Thanks and hope the move goes well. So yeah, only a runner would say that I was going to do a marathon, but Hey, there's a 50 K option as well. So we might as well do that. That makes sense. Um, but to your question, Corey, you know, I think that, that it's still very much doable. Um, but I, I feel like those long runs every two weeks, become that much more valuable, right? Like, like, cause you're just getting fewer reps at it. You're getting fewer shots at doing those long runs. But that said, maybe that's beneficial because you're kind of getting yourself a, a little cutback week every week as well. So you're able to, to 
not really have to take any plan any any cutback weeks because you're getting one. You're, you're already getting a cutback week every week, so you can you can maybe climb the ladder slightly more aggressively. Obviously, you don't want to be too aggressive. You don't want to set yourself up for an injury. Um, but for the long runs, like like that's that's doable. And yeah, if you're able to squeeze in a couple extra kilometers, or a couple extra miles um, during those those runs during the week, those add up as well. You know, even if it doesn't feel like much, even if it's just like, oh, it's an extra two k. Um, you know, I was going to run eight, but now I ran 10 or I was going to run six and now I'm running eight. Uh, that adds up one, one off one day, meh, probably realistically doesn't make that much of a difference, but you start stacking that three days a week, four days a week, five days a week, something like that. And that's, you know, you can do the math on that. That's an extra eight K 10 K. That's like get an extra run in without having to run an extra day. Right. So it definitely makes a difference. It definitely is what works to, to continue to improve the base. Um, and then just, you know, you stretch it out every other week on those long runs. Um, and you'll be good to go. Hopefully, you know, if I'll, I'll stay on track and just kind of keep, keep progressing. But, um, I think that, I think it'll work. There's no reason that it shouldn't work. It's just a matter of, you know, just like any type of training plan, it, it's, it's all good until you, you know, as long as you're kind of following along and, and getting the work done. And so, um, I think it'll work for you though. I think, I think it's very much doable. Um, don't overthink it, do the best you can. And as long as those long runs are, are building up and progressing towards that, you know, get up towards 40 K, something like that for your, maybe not even that far, maybe 35 K for your longest long run. Um, you'll be good. You'll be good. Um, especially if you go into it with no, no real, uh, pressure, just kind of go in and cruise, have some fun. You'll be just fine. You'll be just fine. So there you go. That is it. Hopefully that helps, Corey. Good luck with you. Keep us posted on how things are going. Any other questions along the way, of course, feel free. Uh, and that, my friends, is that. That's the July 2022 listener Q&A coming to a, coming to a head, recorded from an Airbnb, recorded with the microphone in hand. It's been a long time since I've held a microphone in my hand to record, but uh, don't have the, the, the mic holder stand thing set up here. So, you know, we're making do. We'll be back to uh, the normal, the new normal setup next month, hopefully, good Lord willing, in the new house, settling in, uh, probably still unpacking a little bit, maybe still purging some of the stuff we brought with us. Uh, but thanks, thanks uh, seriously for all the good wishes, uh, and uh, it's been a process. We're still a process. We're, we're figuring it out. Moving's not for the faint of heart, but uh, neither is running. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of running in life and moving parallels that are coming through as well. But anyway, I'm sure I'll keep you posted on all that kind of good stuff. But what what is your takeaway from today? What question did you did you like most? What answer made sense? What answer confused the hell out of you and you want more information on it? Let me know at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. Of course, you can also send an email to Dizruns at gmail.com. You can also also head over to the show notes for today, which you can get at Dizruns.com slash 1069, Dizruns.com slash 1069. Links, but more importantly, memes, GIFs, And of course, that comment section down at the bottom of the page. Feel free to leave any feedback, check out more information, or just hopefully get a few lols along the way. Uh, And one last time as well for today's sponsor, new sponsor. Glad to have uh, Amino Co. on board. If you want to check out the products they have available, uh, check out AminoCo.com slash Dizruns. Again, A-M-I-N-O-C-O.com slash Dizruns. Discount code is Dizruns at checkout saves you 30% off of whatever products that you might order. You'll be hearing more about Amino Core in the coming weeks and months for sure, but glad to have them on board and, and always appreciate when you all support the sponsors because that keeps them supporting us as well. So if you're in the market, check it out. 
any questions, let me know. Ooh, apparently my voice is, is failing me. Sorry, right, we'll get through it. Uh, but any questions on Amino Co products, let me know, and I'll, I'll be happy to share my experience with you as well. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, y'all, thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for taking me with you today. Thanks for the questions, because without the questions, we wouldn't have a Q&A episode. It would just be a, hey, hi, bye, end of the month. Uh, so good, to, good to, to shoot the breeze for a bit. Good to hear from everybody. And until next time, uh, y'all, please be well. Take good care. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Later, y'all.